Hi, I'm Anna McEwen, and this is The Epic Narrative. And now, my dad, Bob Switzer. All right. So, good morning. Well, whatever time of day it is. So, last last week, we left off, and David... David was trapped. He was trapped in what was culturally and legally obligations to kill his son Absalom because he killed his brother Amnon, especially because he killed Amnon, the crown prince, the one that was technically next in line for David, although David had yet to probably name him that. It was just kind of like a default position that Amnon had, but it was it was recognized or Absalom wouldn't have had to ask for him specifically to come to the the celebration shearing meal with all the other brothers. All the other brothers could just show up, but Amnon needed special permission from the king to be outside of the palace walls. So all that goes on, and David realizes from speaking with the cousin who started this whole mess by uh, advising Amnon to rape his sister Tamar, well, he probably didn't technically call it rape. He probably said, of course she's going to fall in love with you. All you have to do is devise a way to be alone with her. What woman wouldn't want to be uh, with you in bed? Of course, this is all going to work out great. And of course, Jonadab, that's the cousin, right? He shows up and he lets David know, basically, Absalom only killed Amnon because that's all Absalom has been planning for the last several years, years. And we went into all the things that that constitute when it comes to character development and characteristics within the life of Amnon and, and Absalom and Jonadab. Like these are lifelong things. David's been king for over 20 years now. Some of these uh, children have been around with him for even, you know, for longer than that. They they were born in the wilderness or they were born at Hebron. Remember when he was at Hebron, he had seven sons, I think, born. No, he was there seven years. Seven years, seven sons. Anyways, he had a bunch of a bunch of sons born in Hebron, and those he just keeps pumping them out. So all that was going on, and we're stuck now, not stuck, but David's stuck now in this mindset of what am I going to do, what am I going to do, what am I going to do, and he's he just he he's doing life he's doing life as king he's his nation is going fine uh, worship is going great I'm sure that there's you know, little hiccups uh, here and there because when you deal with four thousand musicians, there's gonna be there's gonna be hiccups. Uh, they're just they're just uh, a wonderfully complicated group of people, artists and musicians. And uh, I have no doubt that that the one who over man, I forgot his name. You have to listen to that podcast, I guess. But there was one lead guy who oversaw the whole thing. But I'm sure that there was you know there's worship stuff to deal with. There was trade issues, there was peace issues. Periodically, Joab would, you know, take the military out and take on a challenger, uh, that sort of thing. Anyways, all that's going on. And as that's going on, inside and outside, he continually is letting people know he wishes there was something he could do to get Absalom back. Remember, David David grew up 
at least from my perspective, David grew up in a, in a, in a family that had rejected him, in brothers that had separated from him, in, with a father who wasn't around. And as far as being a father, David wasn't all that great at it. But as far as wanting the family to be together, David had a had a had a I think a very deep passion for that. He didn't know how to keep them together. He just wanted them together. And I have a sense that the way that he arranged their apartments in the palace uh, within the palace walls was a, a you know family meals. Um, the family meals seemed to be a regular thing, which is where uh, Jonathan's uh, youngest son, who had the who had been crippled, uh, he would he would be part of those family meals because he was considered family uh, as far as David was concerned. It's it's uh yeah I just I just I just think whenever all the family got together and the stories which which were regular it was regular and this you know certain stories would come out and Absalom's name would come up and it hurt David. Not not hurt him like don't ever speak his name, but hurt him in that he would listen to the stories and people would laugh and they would talk about the good stuff that Absalom did or the the, the way he was a good brother. And they would also all know, of course, that he killed one of the brothers. But they also would understand that he killed them because he raped his sister. I mean, that's that was kind of kind of the deal. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot anybody could really fault Absalom for doing. But the apparent death penalty concept really came because who he killed wasn't just any brother. He was the next in line for the for the throne. So it could also look like he was trying to take over the throne, which I think internally he probably had considered because his father did nothing when Ammon raped Tamar. And he probably had sincere thoughts that his father was not that great of a, of a leader and needed to be needed to be shown uh, the way out, or at least needed to be corrected in his leadership style. But David would listen to all of this. He'd see all this and he'd see the family together and he would long for Absalom. And he, he cried out for Absalom. And Joab observed all this and he saw how much David desperately wanted his son back in his presence. But he also knew the law, and he also, he just had to kind of bide his time. And I do think that in the middle of all this, as I I think I covered pretty extensively, but I don't want you to forget that Ahithophel, Bathsheba's grandfather, is, is laying the groundwork for somebody else to take over the rulership of the nation. And Absalom is in exile. So going to him would not be would not be uh allowed, right? That would be considered treasonous. But I'm sure in his mind he's thinking if this if I, you know, he would be a great choice if there was just a way to get him back here. But he had no idea how to do it. And Jonadab, uh, Jonadab, Jonah, Joe, Bob, say the word. Holy cow. Did you hear that that furnace kick on? Woo! That made me nervous. It's so, like, angry when it does that. Anyways, Joab, Joab jumps in to action here after years of watching David. And he, and 
And in all sincerity, Joab wants to do something for his friend. He wants to do something for the king. He wants to do something for his uncle, David. After three years of observing all this, he knows that there is a way. There's got to be a way, I think is the way he probably approached it. There's got to be a way. You're the, like David's, David's a king. There's got to be a way for, for Absalom to come back. There's got to be. And eventually he put together a plan. And it's a brilliant plan, and it involves a story. So he puts a, a, a script, a, literally a script. So Joab, he knows the king's heart. He sends for someone from Tekoa, a wise woman brought from there. So that remember the word for wisdom also involves creativity. So from the best I can induce, and I know I'm, this is a little bit of my imagination, he, he hires an actress, an old woman who is an actress, probably somebody who has done entertainment, somebody who can sell this. And he gives this old woman a character to play and a script to abide by. Now, she's going to play an old woman, lo and behold. He's like dressed in morning clothes, not good morning. Hey, good morning, good morning. That's a really old song. My dad used to sing that song. Wow, that's old. Anyways, uh, morning as in sad clothes. Somebody has died, and you're really, really sad. Don't use any cosmetic lotions. Like, he, he makes that be known because I think, like I said, she's an actress. I think she's used to dolling herself up and looking pretty and, and making sure her skin is smooth and not dusty and dirty with the ashes. And act like a woman who has spent days grieving for the dead. Then go to the king and speak these words. Now, this is... this. This is pretty awesome. David is in this in this three-year desire to show mercy to his son, which I think honestly is a mirror of God. He wants he wants to to show mercy. He wants to to restore and renew connection again with Absalom. But he's not sure how to how to do it. And Joab has spent years watching this go on, and in his mind, he's like, there has to be a way. He comes up with a way, and he says, if I can frame this right, if I can make this this story have all the right layers, David will find a way to bring Absalom back. So he gets the, uh, gets the actress. He writes out the script, and if you follow the script... It follows really the story of Cain and Abel. So this is not an unfamiliar narrative. This is a narrative that David would have been familiar with. Everyone in the court would have been familiar with. The story of Cain and Abel, even to this day, most people who don't even know the Bible, they might not even know where the, where the story comes from, but they know the story of Cain and Abel. And, and Joab knows that this will open up a way for David to maybe see a way to bring mercy. Now, how does Joab, how does this actress get in? Through Joab. Joab, you know, in essence, opens the door. I mean, how does a, a widow, or not a widow, sorry, how does a mom, who she's acting like, 
who's mourning the death of her son, how does she get access to the king? Like this would have been handled, and you know, people like this would have showed up probably fairly regularly in the, in the city of Jerusalem, but they would be handled by priests. They would be handled by by the gatekeepers at the at the tabernacle. They would have been handled by other people because this sort of thing happens all the time. And they don't get access to the king, but Joab paved the way. He opened the doors. He let her in the side. He got her on the list, whatever you want to call it. And there she is. She shows up and she walks in. She falls on her face to the ground before him. So she pays him honor and she says, help me, your majesty. And the king is immediately drawn in. Like the way she's dressed and her desire, her, her obvious humility and her desire for help. Like David's, David gets sucked right into the story. <laughs> this, is, this is like one of those, uh, this is like a really good Instagram story where like you're scrolling through, scrolling through. And then, I don't know, somehow one of them catches your eye and then you end up listening, right? And you, <laughs> you're like, oh man, I got sucked right into the story. This was so good. This is this is what I, I guess it could also happen on Facebook and and um, YouTube or wherever it doesn't really matter. Anyways, Joab sets this up brilliantly, which speaks to his ability to learn. Probably he'd seen this. Maybe he even asked some people along the way. Like he this. I just don't want to belittle what Joab did to set this up because he comes up later in the story. So she starts telling David the story. I'm a widow. My husband's dead. I'm your servant. I, your servant, had two sons. They got into a fight with each other in the field. Again, remember, two sons, Cain and Abel, in the field, Cain and Abel. And no one was there to separate them. One struck the other and killed them, Cain and Abel. Now the whole clan has risen up against your servant. They say, hand over the one who struck his brother down so we can put him to death and uh, for the life of his brother whom he killed. And then we'll get rid of the heir as well. And they put out, uh, they will they would put out only burning coal uh, I have left. They would put out the only burning coal. Sorry, that was dramatic. I, I, I totally, totally miffed that. I'm too excited. Maybe my husband would neither name nor descendant on the face of the earth. So, so again, this is an outline story, right? She didn't just, she didn't make it that quick. She explains, I had two sons and they were, they grew up together and they, they, you know, got along pretty well. They occasionally would have fights and they both worked in the fields. And one day they were both out there alone and they got into an argument and they got into an actual fight and one of them killed the other one because of what they were fighting about. That's the implication. The one had done something that made the other one incredibly angry and they had a, they had a big argument and then the the, the one killed the other. And now she says, everybody wants to kill the only son I have left. They want me to turn him over so they can kill him. This, now listen, this is, this is a brilliant thing. Joab did a brilliant thing. And I'm sure the actress, she performed this to perfection. She had the nuances and the inflections perfect. 
And David gets drawn right in it because the story does so much. When a story's done well, you get sucked in to all the details. And David recognizes the, you know, kind of the theme of Cain and Abel. And he steps into it perfectly. And the king says, go home. I will issue an order on your behalf. And the woman said to him, oh, let the Lord of my king pardon me and my family and let the king and his throne be without guilt. In other words, you know, I, you're going to show mercy. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to exclude me from the law out of mercy. Like this is amazing. And then she compares David. Uh, well, in verse 10, David calls for protection, right? He's like, okay, if anyone says anything to you, bring them to me and I will, and they will not bother you again. <laughs> so <laughs> David's like, listen, if anybody tries to kill your son, you let me know, we'll kill them. That's, <laughs> that's basically what he says. They won't, they won't do this. You will be under the protection of the king. It doesn't mean that she'll have guards at her door. It just means a proclamation will be made within the village. The elders will be aware that, that she went to see the king. Here's the king's order. You're not to touch this woman. You're not to touch this woman's husband. You're not to touch the woman's son. He has been excluded from the death penalty because the king says so. And she says, let the king evoke the Lord his God to prevent the avenger of blood from adding to the destruction so my son will not be destroyed. What is she saying? She's saying, David, you are just like God who keeps killers from being killed. When did this happen? When did this happen? Oh, it happened when Cain killed Abel. Right, Abel. Yeah, Cain killed Abel. I don't know. Uh, do I do I want to go? I'm trying to I'm trying to look sorry, I'm reading ahead a little bit. The woman uh, I'll just I'll just go ahead with the story. Then we'll go back to Cain and Abel because it's re I think this is a really really important detail that she reminds David, you're doing what God does. You invoke the Lord your God to prevent the the avenger of blood. You act just like God when you do this. This is an amazing insight that the nation of Israel knew about. Keep that in mind. The nation of Israel was becoming so aware of the characteristics of God that, that even actresses from outside the city understood that the character of God was not to kill but to show mercy. That's an important distinction to have because most people like to skip this part because they want God to avenge the, the killer. They want God to avenge for blood. They want God to, you know, to attack the one who did the attacking. It's, 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 this, this is huge. This is why stories say so much and we can't just skip the parts that we don't really get. As surely as the Lord lives, he said, not one hair on your son's head will fall to the ground. And then the woman said, Let, can, can I tell you something else, my Lord and King? And he said, sure. And the woman said, why then have you devised a thing like this against the people of God? When the king says this, does not he convict himself? For the king has not brought his back his banished son. Like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be recovered, so we almost die. But that is not what God desires. Mm, read that. That's amazing. 
As water has spilled out on the ground, we cannot that cannot be recovered. We all must die, but that is not what God desires. Rather, he devises ways so that a banished person does not remain banished from him. And now I have come to say this to the Lord, the king, because the people have made me afraid. Your servant thought I will speak to the king and perhaps he will grant the servant's request and perhaps the king will agree to deliver the servant from the hand of the man who is trying to cut me off and my son from from God's inheritance. This is amazing. I know, I said it several times. We're going back over it. She goes to him and and basically says, you devised a plan. You came up with a way to show mercy. And she basically says, you can also show come up with a way to show mercy to Absalom. Because this is your story, David. She reminds him that God doesn't kill, but he 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 finds a way to keep the killer alive and not an outcast. This is God's protection. She reminds because the story mirrored uh, Cain and Abel. She reminds him that God devised a way to protect Cain. Now I know a lot of people look at the story of Cain and Abel, and they see God's judgment on him. Right? You killed your brother. Now you know the ground isn't gonna. Uh, is is isn't going to cooperate with you and now, uh, I, uh, Bob? You should have looked this up. I know I should have. What I need is an engineer that can remember the whole story and just give it back to me when I demand it. I know I know the whole story. I know, and the engineer's talking in my head, trying to come up with the story really quickly, and it's not happening. But that's okay. I'm not going to look it up because the the general concept is this: everything and plus. After David's story, we're going into Genesis, and I will rip this thing into pieces. But generally, this is what happened. Cain murders his brother. God comes down and talks to Cain. And basically, again, just like a prophet, he says to Cain, you have opened yourself up to incredibly bad things because that's what the enemy does. You have opened yourself up to tremendous judgment. And Cain says, it's too much for me to bear. Now, a lot of people believe that that's because God is trying to crush Cain, and it's not. It's because God's exposing to Cain what he's opened himself up to, and Cain says, I can't bear it. And what does God do? He devises a way to protect Cain. He puts a mark on Cain and says to to the world, however many are out there, and I know that that's up for a lot of debate, and we can get into that later when I'm doing the story of Genesis. But he says, I will tell everyone, if you see the mark on this man and you kill him, then you will open yourself up to even worse death because because the enemy doesn't just stop with one. He multiplies the, the, the destruction. And if you kill Cain, then even more murders are going to happen on this earth. And I don't want that to happen. Do you understand? God protected Cain, and he tried to protect the world from more destruction. It's, 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 it's really amazing. And then there was, the, the story continues that I remember, was it Lamar, Lamu, Lamar, Lamour? 
Larmar, Lamar, oh man, this is, I can't wait to do Genesis. Anyways, he actually basically says to God, I don't care what the, what the ramifications are. I'm going to kill somebody. And he does. And multiple people die because of it. And God's like, that's, it's not because God, like God said, that's what I did. He's like, that's what I told you would happen. I tried to warn you. In my mercy and kindness and love, I tried to warn you. And that's what he tried to do with, with Cain. He tried to warn him, and Cain said, it's too much for me to bear. I didn't, In other words, I didn't realize what I opened myself up to. How in the world am I ever going to survive? And God says, I'll protect you, because that's what God does. He loves to bring mercy. He loves to bring protection. Oh, glory. Man, you, oh. <laughs> It's a good thing I'm seated because I would have been running around the room right now if I was doing this story on stage. I get really fired up about God's mercy and love and goodness. And the fact that so many people want God to be angry and mean that they take stories like Cain and Abel and they turn them into the mean, angry, judgmental God, and he's not. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> oh, yes. Glory. So. She reminds David of all these things. She brings out all those all those details were nuanced and probably spoken out loud in the original story. When she told him about the story, she was calling on him to be like God. Do you understand the type of character and expectation you that she had for David? And really that Joab, remember this has come from Joab, Joab knew the character of David. He knew that David was a man of mercy. He knew that David did not want to kill. He knew that David wanted to look like and act like the God that they all knew and served. And all Joab did was he devised a way to to open David's mind up to the possibility that, that they could bring Absalom back, that they could find a way to restore Absalom back to the city, back to the nation. Now remember, it's been three years. And Joab's confidence in David's character and the uh, this woman's confidence in David's character is very clear in all of this. And again, I know David's not perfect. I know he's not perfect. I know. But his character is is deeply rooted in him his intuitive nature is to be like god to be like god and who is god remember what did she say let not the king evoke uh, sorry let the king invoke the lord his god to prevent the avenger of blood from adding to the destruction so that my son will not be destroyed he's she she reminds the king be like god who doesn't multiply death he doesn't destroy the one who brought destruction in order to multiply destruction. He doesn't add to this devastation. He doesn't add to death more death. That's not what God does. He restores and he brings people back. He devises ways so that the banished person, in this case, re reminding her of Cain, who is banished, does not remain banished from him. Cain was not banished from God, and he was protected by God to everyone else in the world. It's it's fascinating. Yes, I'm sure it also would mean that he was marked 
and everybody would know he's the one who killed his brother, but it also protected, God did it to protect Cain from the avengers of blood because that is something the enemy puts around us. Avenge the blood, avenge the family, avenge, avenge. I think, I mean, it is, I, I really don't have the context for this verse, but I remember there is a verse, I do remember a verse that says, you know, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Because he knows that within within uh, our, our old nature, if we tap into or desire to avenge blood, he goes, that's not me. Let me take care of it. Let me avenge through love. Let me avenge through mercy. Let me bring my goodness in and cover this up in such a way that it ends up being a good thing. And the enemy loses all power from the destruction that it, he tried to invoke. That he started. That you gave him access to. But now because he has access, my goodness, my goodness can override this. Do not avenge other people. Let me take care of it. It's it's fascinating oh what a story like what a story what a what a what an uh an opportunity to have been in the you know in the throne room to watch this happen to watch david drawn in you ever see somebody drawn into a movie drawn into a story where you're just david was just there and as david listens to all of this this is this is really good Verse 17, she says, And now your servant says, May the word of my Lord the King secure my inheritance. For my Lord the King is like, again, like an angel of God, discerning good and evil. May the Lord your God be with you. She thinks she's done. That was kind of her her ending concept. She's like, you're, you're just like an angel. You have discernment. You're just like God. You have wisdom. May may God continue to give you that discernment from good and evil. May the Lord always be with you. And I think it's it's kind of ironic that she says basically, you're full of discernment and wisdom, and and she's there in essence, acting like this whole thing is a story. This whole thing is a setup. <laughs> and she she basically calls out her own her own revealing by saying, David, you discern everything. You know everything. You listen to God. God will give you wisdom to know and discern all things. And he's like, I, I picture David with a big smile on his face, kind of hangs his head, looks up with a big smile. He says, all right, I'm going to ask you something. And uh, it, it, the, the phrasing here is don't keep from me the answer to what I'm going to ask you. In other words, he's like, I'm going to ask you a question and I want you to tell me the truth. I'm not. Like, this is not a, I'm not angry, but I'm going to ask you something. And uh, I need you to tell me the truth. I've been in those circumstances and I've, uh, on both ends, right? Where you're asking somebody something and you know, you know what they've told you is, is like, there's something fishy about it. And while they're talking, it kind of comes together. And when she said, in in her explanation and in her gratefulness, she's like, you know, you haven't brought back your your banished son. Like you're you're the very thing you're doing for me is something you could do for you. You can bring back Absalom. 
you're you're keeping Absalom out of the out of the country, not us. Like you could put it down an edict that just says Absalom will not die for his crimes. You need to leave Absalom alone. And Absalom could come back. You just literally told us how you could fix your problem. And I think somewhere in there, between the story of of that the actress told that came from the script that that Joab gave her and the references to Cain and Abel and the character of God that's that he's reminded of over and over again and the fact that she references Absalom he puts it all together he's like okay this is not like this is a this is an actress like this is none of this is true <laughs> i have a feeling she gets all done and and thinks she's done and he's like okay uh, i have a question for you and I don't want you to lie to me. I want you to tell me the truth. Now, picture her, right? In that very moment, she's sitting there going, "Okay, I'm done. My my, you know, my my stage, my 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 performance is over. I've I've given a great exit uh phrasing. Everything's good. Thank you very much. I'll be here all week type of thing." She's trying to walk off the stage and he's like, "Wait, wait, 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 wait. Wait, 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 wait." Like what goes on internally for her? Like, oh, oh no, he's going to ask me a question. What's he going to ask me? He's going to ask me where I'm from. Is he going to ask me about my family? Like, do I tell him the truth? Do I tell him a lie? Do I just try to get out of this? Do I pretend I'm overwhelmed with joy and I just can't even think anymore because I'm going to go, you know, she's still she's still playing like this whole story's real. So she's got to still be the morning the, the old lady who came in mourning and now she's been relieved of, of the law so she can she can have her son back and have the inheritance to the family restored and and she can go tell her husband that he won't be killed for it either, that the king has given their family protection and all this stuff. Like she's gotta she's gotta still be in this character. She's still gotta play this game. So he's gonna ask her a question and she's thinking, is is this about is this about like I have to I have to answer a question from the place of a character. And I hope I've thought of all the nuances. Because if you're a good actor, you've put all these things together. You've kind of given yourself a backstory. You've given yourself a place to draw the character from so that it comes across as legit. So it comes across as authentic. So David's like, hey, hey, wait, 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 wait. I have a question for you, okay? And I want you to tell me the truth. I'm going to ask you something. Do not lie to me. And she says, well, let the Lord my king speak. (laughs) Because what else is she going to say? Don't ask me anything. I'm done here. I mean, she's she's trapped. It's funny. And he probably knows that she knows that she's trapped. And she doesn't know that he knows that she knows that he's, she's trapped. But he's chuckling inside on two levels. Because one, he's pretty sure what's going on. And two, he knows that she doesn't know that he knows what's going on. And he's about to reveal the fact that he knows what's going on. And she's really going to be okay either way. So it's kind of funny because he's thinking, you're not in trouble, but you're going to think you're in trouble. And he says, she says, well, let the king speak. And he says, isn't the hand of Jonah, Joab, sorry, Jonah, Bob, you killed the line. I know, I'm a horrible actor. <laughs> Is the hand of Joab with you in all this? <laughs> he says, he says, uh, so are you acting? Did Joab did Joab put you up to this? Did he tell you to come see me? Is that how you got in here? 
Because that is also probably something that isn't making total sense to to David either. Not that he didn't like the story, or that he's not love loves you know doesn't love being helpful to and merciful to old ladies who are in mourning. But he's like, he he's like that's another thing that didn't quite fit. Like how is how did you how did this story get into my my daily agenda? Did Joab put you up to this? He is he the one? And she says, as surely as you live, my Lord and King, no one can turn the right or left without, from anything without my Lord the King. Yes, it was your sh- servant Joab who instructed me to do this, who put all these words into, into, the, into the mouth of your servant. Your servant Joab did this to change the present situation. My Lord has wisdom like that of an angel of God. He knows everything that happens in his land. <laughs> I just pictured David laughing. Because this, again, is not just a direct quote from the lady. It's she tells him the whole story. She tells him the whole story. And, and that's the outline, right? She's like, listen, yes, yes, abs- yes, I, uh, yes. I don't know. If, I think for for the sake of the movie, <laughs> I think that there was a dramatic pause where she's like, okay, do I, do I tell the truth or do I stay in character? Do I stay in character and say, no, my lord, I am but a humble servant who's, you know, whose son has been killed by one of her other sons, and you have saved my life, and thank you so much, and and I, you know, I'm honored to know you, and I grovel at your feet, and I just bow and I walk my way out of the out of the palace, or do I tell the truth? And she probably looked at David, and I think he has got the brightest eyes, and he's got the biggest smile. And he's looking at her with that with that face that's just I mean he's a he's a handsome man, and he's looking at her and she knows he knows that she doesn't know that he knows and now they both know that he knows and he's basically like just tell me the truth tell me the truth because this is fine no one's gonna get hurt in this I'm good you're you are really good let's do this and she she gives in and she goes yes you know everything no one can turn to the right or left from anything my lord the king says yes it was your servant joab who instructed me in all things put all the words in my mouth in other words yes he wrote the script he wrote the story he gave it all to me and he gave me the backstory he did all this to change the present situation your your friend your servant joab wanted to give you a way to wanted to help you find a way to bring Absalom back he knows because that's the situation because it's not like a general situation like a national situation or a military situation or a a a, a tabernacle situation or a, a religious situation this situation this the situation of you having a son that's been banished from the country and you needing to find a way to bring him back because you miss him so much and you want him close to his brothers again. You want him close to the to his mother. You want him close to the family. And because of this situation, Joab told me all of this, and he wrote out the script, and I told him I would help. And I, I, you know, I put on all these mourning clothes, and I put on the ashes, and I made myself dirty, and I came to you to look like a haggard old woman who is desperate in need of mercy from a king who acts just like God. And Joab knew that you would be like that. He knew that you would want to extend mercy. And the king said, awesome. 
That's uh, that's good to know. Now I don't know where Joab is for this. I he has to be close. I think he's in the room for the sake of the movie that runs in my head. I think he's in the room. Not that he's like standing at attention watching this, but he's close because he wants to see how this goes. He put this whole thing together. It probably took him several months to put this thing together. This was not a, a on a whim type of idea. This was this involved work and practice. And a few dry runs, and he's convinced. All right, this is gonna, this, this, I'm gonna go with this because this is, this is uh, not dangerous, so to speak, but it's not, you know, it's not on the level. He's deceiving the king with an actress. I mean, he's doing it knowingly, and and he knows this, you know, he's not gonna keep this this thing up forever. But he's trying to get the king a way out. He's trying to give the king an opportunity to find some wisdom, and I have a feeling he's in the room. And when the king stops him, stops her, sorry, and and says, did Joab put you up to this? Tell me the truth. Is this is this Joab's doing? And she just starts to spill her guts. Maybe she glanced over at Joab. Maybe he nodded. Maybe David glanced at Joab. Maybe they nodded to each other. And she just spills the beans on the whole story. And the king says to Joab, all right, I'll do it. Go back and get the young man Absalom. And it says, Joab fell on his face to the ground and paid honor to him, and he blessed the king. And Joab said, Today your servant knows that he has found favor in your eyes. May the Lord the king, because the king has has granted his servant's request. Then Joab went to Gersher and brought Absalom back to Jerusalem. But the king said, Listen, he must go to his own house. He must not see my face. So Absalom went to his own house and did not see the face of the king. So this is, uh, you know, Joab, (laughs) David recognizes Joab's hand in this. He recognizes probably Joab's perspective, which was there has to be a way to bring him back here. And, And in releasing Joab, Joab is humble. He's very honoring in victory. This is, a, again, a good characteristic of Joab. I know Joab runs off and does his own thing periodically in, the, in his, in his storyline, in the, in the whole narrative. But generally speaking, Joab is very honoring of David. We, we talked about that uh, a couple of weeks ago when Joab you know, brings David in for the, for the, when the Ammonites were finally defeated. And, and he gives David the place of honor, even though technically Joab did all the work. He honors David because he understands David's overall uh, vision for the nation, and he understands that David is also involved in the details. Like David's an incredibly complicated leader. He's relational and visionary, which means you can do both. A lot of visionary leaders like to say, "Well, I'm a visionary. You know, everybody else has to deal with the details." No, you can learn to deal with them. Or you're a relational person, such as myself. You're like I'm intuitively wired to be a relational leader, but. I have to see the overall vision. I have to train my myself to also understand how to set vision for people, how to give them an overall picture. Usually it involves me telling them a story, which often means I go at it for a very long time in comparison to a visionary leader who would just state the vision and keep moving. But either way, we can both learn to be uh, nuanced with the other, with the benefits of what the other one brings. And David had both, and Joab knew that. And Joab was a very good friend, a very good nephew, and a, an amazing leader because he understood how to work within the framework of who David, David was. 
And David recognizes that kind of leadership. And he releases Absalom, uh, releases Joab to go find Absalom. And I, I mean, just for what it worth, this was probably, again, this is a, a verse that looks like it's easy, but it probably took two to three months to bring Absalom back, to go to Gersher and bring Absalom back, because he would have had to send emissaries. Hey, this is, uh, this is on behalf of King David. Uh, we want to bring you back to Jerusalem. You know, uh, I'm going to come get you on this date. And Absalom sends back and says, well, how do I, what's, what's, you know, what insurances do I have? And Joab sends back and says, you, you know, you will be protected under the king's order. The only, the only, you know, confinement that you will have is that you'll need to stay in your house, your, which is his. No one's taken it. He gets to stay with his family. You get all your land, you know, will continue to be worked for you. You get all your money. Like everything's the same. The only difference is you're not going to get any face-to-face meetings with the king. Uh, which probably means family dinners will be nuanced by there'll be some in which you'll be invited to and some you won't be. You can have family over for dinner. You can have brothers and sisters and and family, in-laws, whatever. You can have them over. Like that's nothing's wrong about that. The only thing that's going to show that there's some discipline for what you did is you're not going to get any face-to-face meetings with the king. You're not going to have influence directly to the king when it comes to national policy, military strategies, um, you know, politics, well, politics, (laughs) tabernacle, that's the word I was looking for. Thank you so much. But he's set up in the city. He's just not allowed to be in the palace. He's not allowed the face-to-face meetings with David. This is amazing. This is an amazing story. I mean, it it covers obviously. I mean, it covers three years of life technically, uh, but it is it is an amazing story of mercy and grace and the character of God in the Old Testament that was that was well known. It was known that God doesn't kill, even all the way back to Cain and Abel. It's referenced clearly in this story. That when it comes to being banished, God found a way that even the banished one wouldn't be banished. That he would be brought back into society, protected by the king, the king of kings. God's character has changed. God looks just like Jesus. Jesus made sure we knew that God looks just like him. Don't miss out on the opportunity to interact with God in the Old Testament the way that Jesus is in the New Testament. It's, it'll, it Honestly, it changes the paradigm in the way that you interact with others around you because so many people look at the Old Testament God and think that they have an excuse to bring death and judgment because they think they're right. And if God's right and he does it and I'm right, then I'm going to be just like God and, and treat others like this. I, it's just... It's not a paradigm that God was looking to do, and it's definitely something that David understood, and so much so that Joab knew that he could draw on the character of God within the heart of David to bring mercy to his son and bring the banished one back because mercy and love find a way. It always finds a way to restore and renew 
and resurrect. <laughs> Sorry. I got I had to do a little preaching. Had to get it going. All right. Hope you guys have a great day. Hope you're enjoying the story. I, I really enjoyed this more than I thought I would. Really, enjoy, I mean, I, I enjoy the whole story anyways, but this particular little episode, like, jumped out at me. This is a really good episode. I hope you enjoyed it, and uh, I look forward to talking to you again soon. everyone thanks for listening if you like what you heard you can subscribe to this podcast on any platform you use you can also reach out to bob for questions or booking at thebobswitzer.com or email him at thebobswitzer at gmail.com see you next week guys